0: Alright, I don't know what I did wrong, but I did something. Author Evangelist Corey Thomas, a dedicated servant leader whose weapons are spiritual in nature and volatile in impact. Hot off the press, author Evangelist Corey Thomas' new book, Sound Advice, Music and the Battle for Your Mind, Body and Soul. Matthew 5.13, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost his flavor, well what shall it be salted? It's author Evangelist Corey Thomas' new book, Sound Advice, Music in the Battle for Your Mind, Body, and Soul. Purchase your copy to help maintain that flavor in your spiritual walk. This book is epic. It's sold on every major online bookstore or go to CoreyThomasMennessee.com. I got my copy. Be sure to get yours. It's author evangelist Corey Thomas' new book, Sound Advice, Music, and the Battle for Your Mind, Body, and Soul. Get your copy today. this is uh i've been uh more and more into i think i've read Corey's book like five times now and i'm a um literary um kind of snob uh, a lot of times um uh, a lot of people don't know this but probably about gosh it's been about 20 years ago now um i was signed on to bantam books but um at the time a book came out that still haunts me and that's why I've got it somewhere. It's called a million little pieces. And, um, it ends up, it was on Oprah and everything else. And, um, the book was a complete fraud. The guy was not uh, telling the truth about any of it. And it came out as a, uh, uh, you know, autobiography, like it was supposed to all be true. So anyway, they started drug testing us all. um, that were just like junior writers i mean basically a good friend of mine had turned in a notebook of mine and they wanted to hear my story but um and banner books is a a subsidiary of of random house but so long story short is at the time i was taking um percocets i've been in a car accident but i was in fact uh, abusing them i was taking um too many to put it uh lightly it didn't last very long but I couldn't pass a drug test, and that's just the way it goes. Um, As usual, I wanted to start with a um, a devotion. This is from uh, Celebrate Recovery, the 365-day devotional. It's the 30th uh, year anniversary. Man, I like this. I'm not a big step person. Um, I I don't think it's the end-all, be-all of anything. Uh, I kind of believe that AA does its job in uh, helping maintain sobriety, but I also think it plateaus um, to a place where, and I, I got that from a friend of mine, a, a young dude named uh, Dustin Harper, who uh, is kind of a, uh, I wouldn't even say he's new. He, he's just such a brilliant, brilliant kid. He took a hold of the Bible and you talk about somebody running with it. He ran with it. So um Anyway, that's where we were talking about plateauing. So you can only get to, I mean, you get to one place and then it's, it becomes more like, you know, uh, a social addiction. Like if you don't show up, it can be very much of a bully system. Like, you know, uh, I hate to say be here, be square, but it's more like be here. You're going to relapse. You know, it's something, you know, I just don't get, I'm not with. Um, all right. All right. So, this is day 245, and it's called Handling Anger as a Devotion. And this is from Ephesians 4 26 through 27. Um, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. And, um, something is messed up. I'm so sorry. I got a blinker and tinkering. Okay. I think that's better. I don't know. Sorry, that was bothering me. Hopefully it wasn't bothering anybody out there. But um, uh, here's the devotions here. And um, before I go on, um, given the devil a foothold is something um, I struggle struggle with when it comes to um, anger. I'm still that way. Um, you know, I, I, I've gone over this with my group many times. Is I, I think there's a difference between, we talk about this all the time because everything in Kentucky is considered gossip. But uh, to me, if I know somebody's purposely hurting somebody or purposely causing damage, I I don't like to be a bystander and just sit there and watch and be like, I knew this was going to happen. You know, if you know it's going to happen, if you know somebody's going to hurt somebody else, you know, somebody's going to rob somebody else blind, you know, uh, and anybody can answer uh, this question if you feel like it. Usually my phone number is Going along the bottom, I don't know. I probably did that wrong, so let's just blame it on me. We're cool with that. Um, long story short, um, uh, 336-419-7894, I'm eventually going to make it um, where we can uh, call in. And there's some exciting things coming to endure. I can't exactly um, uh, say what it is, but um, I wanted to give Lady Filana um, uh, really uh, the credit for giving me a... Uh, outlet to do this on and um i appreciate it um uh, this endure entertainment is filled with different cultures different races uh and it's a matter of uh, you know getting to know one another and uh, learning from it and there's a big chance to learn here from everybody um you know i, I strongly recommend checking out all the shows on um endure entertainment um you can find uh, every single show um on um YouTube, and, um, you know, uh, what got me here is not not what saved me, but what um, got me here is, you know, um, I get asked about why I talk about uh, uh, Corey uh, Thomas so much, and it's, um, I'll give you the full background real quick, as I'm in a um, sales meeting, um, hold on, okay, um, I was in a sales meeting about 2015 or 16. I'm not sure, but this new guy comes in, you know, a pretty fancy-looking chap, and um, you know nobody knows who he is, I <laughs> mean, at all. And uh, you know nobody knew that we were getting a new uh, general sales manager or anything like that. But Corey comes in, and you know you got a bunch of roughneck, uh, a lot of old-school car salesmen in there. So Corey comes in, and he starts some. Um, praying. And, you know, you have a lot of people going, who is this dude, man? And um, uh, from that day forward, I mean, Corey and I bonded over um, political science. Um, You know, I drove him crazy, crazy many times because I'm stubborn. And um, but somehow along the way, Corey uh, instilled some Bible verses into me and it subconsciously stayed with me. So factually and actually when I was dying last year, a lot of things Corey had said to me um, over the years uh, started coming back to me and it got me thinking. And, um, you know, uh, that was a blessing that Corey uh, brought me Christ before um, I, I knew how important Christ could be um, in, my, uh, in my healing and um, really a salvation of a um, quite a uh, jaded soul at the time. You Know and that's um uh, realistic as I can put it, so I mean, it's just lessons. And the biggest lesson I always uh quote and I use it for my um, I live by it, man, is uh Matthew 15 14, which is um, ignore them for they are blind and uh, the blind will lead the blind into a pit. There's more to it than that, some Bibles call it a ditch. But um, you know, in in modern times that's become so true with the super church and uh, false prophets. um, uh, It's hard to explain, I can't get into politics, but um, false witness, um, so on and so on. Um, I do know without getting too far in politics, recently I saw at a Trump rally, and this really irked me, just as a christian and um it said that um only uh trump and god can save us now and i've seen it written the other way too that only god and trump can save us now but i i consider that sacrilegious As it, it to me is i'm like where is um uh, where's jesus in this whole mix of debauchery but um anyway uh to get back to cory there's um It was a uh, life changer when, you know, I was in the small hospital room. I call it solitary confinement. I mean, I'm serious. There was no, it was overflowed from COVID. There was no bathroom in this room. There was no um, phone in this room. And, you know, so really all I had to do um, for, it was 20 to 30 days. I I don't really remember, but all I could do and um, all I had uh, to do was think. And, um, so all the stuff started coming back to me and, you know, I, I'm forever grateful for that. And, um, you know, Corey's book is, um, I'll run the commercial here again in a little bit, but, um, it, it, that's only 20, $25. I think it's 20. Um, I bought five of them and ended up, um, you know, giving them some people that, um, I'm around, but it, it's really about music and God. And, um, I really don't want to give way too much um no i really do want to but i'm not going to but you got to think about it man that's the price of going to mcdonald's and it's seriously I, I prefer um to eat i prefer to eat ramen noodles and um uh read Corey's book over and over again i mean it's i think it's 56 pages which is uh, not that much of your time but that 56 pages feels a novel in my opinion so and that's not a commercial. Corey doesn't pay me um, or anything like that. But he gives me wisdom sometimes when I ask. Now every time I ask. So let's get back to handling anger here. Um, because our anger is so often undisciplined, we tend to think of it as a sin. But the Bible tells us that anger in and of itself is not a sin. In fact, anger, like any other emotion, is normal part of human life. Is a normal part of human life. The sinfulness comes when we, fall, when we fail to keep our anger under control. The Bible clearly tells us what we are to do with our anger. In your anger, do not sin. We are to take authority over our anger so that our response does not take us down the path to sinfulness. That was number one. Number two is do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. We are to deal with our anger right away. Brooding is nothing more than uh, meditating on our anger. Uh, I never thought of it that way. That's good. Uh, Which increases its power. Amends need to be offered and forgiveness extended. Do not give the devil a foothold. When we handle anger in the wrong way, we give the devil ammunition to use against us and others. Taking care of anger as quickly as possible foils the enemy's plan against us. We're going to be hurt by others. We're going to hurt others. It's a part of life. Anger and pain are inevitable. It is what we do with them that counts. We can either diffuse anger by making amends and offering forgiveness, or we can open the door and invite the devil in to make things worse. When that happens, everyone loses. The prayer for this devotion is, Father, help me learn to handle my anger in a way that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now. I've learned to be, um, you know, since, uh, I'll keep saying it's the truth, since I died, I've learned to be, um, I've learned to be able uh, to control it more and um, uh, not go off on people. I mean, uh, recently I've had to um, kick some people out of my um, um, private group, which by the way is at the top and you can um, join anytime on Facebook. It is GN3 and associates of, um, sober minds. And, um, really there's a lot of uh, fruit in there and it's, um, I'm faith based, I'm faith based and several others are, but it's all inclusive, meaning, um, we don't care where you're coming from. You know, uh, we're all humans. We all hurt and we're all learning, you know, I myself held a grudge against God since 1995, October 8th of 1995, when my mom passed away at um, 46 years old and, um, you know, died of uh, breast cancer. And I was like, why she wasn't a sinner. She was good to everybody. Everybody adored her. Um, She didn't curse. She didn't drink. She didn't smoke. Um, so yeah, confusion kicked in and, um, You know, she had um, she had done her job. She had raised um, my sister and I both. We were both going off to college. My sister already had, and then I was going. And it was right at the beginning of my freshman year of college when um, uh, she was gone, and um, you know, so that was hard to deal with. There's still times today, and that's been. 27 years, amazingly, and it still feels like, um, yesterday at times, but there's times still where I see something on TV or, um, you know, want to pick up the phone. It's, it's that gone, but not forgotten. But, um, you know, I, I, truly mean that where I say it feels like yesterday. It does. Um, some people can make such an impact on your life that, um, that's the way it goes, but, um, getting back into, uh, there's a lot of, uh, false witness, um, around and, uh, especially more recently. And I've, you know, I try and get this off my shoulders as much as possible, but the people I hear praise Jesus, praise Jesus. Um, the people I hear doing that most and really, um, trying to make sure that everybody's looking at them are generally, uh, you know, and I'm probably wrong, but those are some of the sneakiest people I know. So when it's saying, um, Anger. Um, You know, there's two sides to this is uh, where there's a lot of people who um, have told me to, you know, just let it go, let it go, let it go. But like I said earlier, what what if that's hurting somebody else? Well, what's your role in that? I mean, uh, are you not guilty of Doing nothing? I mean, is there uh, no good Samaritan law in the Bible? Uh, You know, I just get it from so many sides. I'm not um, trying to start anything there, but um, I'll I'll get, and um, I'm going to ask Minister Thomas on um, his opinion on that. He's a lot more skilled than I am. So with that said, I wanted to get into um, several things, and there are disagreements on this, and it's going to make some people – Upset? That's not my intention. I'm just telling the truth. I am working towards my master's in psychology, but I'm in no way uh, acting in a professional manner or giving any kind of uh, professional opinions. am sorry, but some of this is not a um, opinion. So I'm going to cover North Carolina and Kentucky, um, since I'm. Um, factually it seems like more people um, pay attention to me from my time in North Carolina. God bless you all. I miss you all. Well, most of you. All right. Everybody. Um, So um, the first thing I'm going to tell you is there's, you know, I hear a lot of people saying, I used to use this for an excuse myself is um, saying, you know, I I was born to be um, a, a drunkard, a lush um you know it comes from my dad's side of the family et cetera, et cetera. and i did this um last night by the way on my facebook but i'm not uh is uh, I, I don't censor myself as much as i do um on here um and again i appreciate the opportunity and the trust um so uh, if we don't have uh, this gene let's say the alcoholic gene is the excuse that's so often used Um, and, and I did believe that and I would uh, constantly use it. So it's almost like I was enabling myself because saying, okay, well, neither one of my parents drank, but my dad's family had a history of it. Um, my brother drank himself to, uh, needing a kidney transplant. Amazingly. Uh, this is where you say God's amazing. He was, um, 50 some years old, no, 40 or 50 something years old. So in being an alcoholic, you're not an uh, alcoholic, drug addict, whatever you want to call it. You're not high on the um, priority on the donor's list. But somehow it's like a million and one chance that his wife uh, matched him. And um, he ended up, uh, that lasted and it took. And um, it was until uh, he died last year in, um I think it was January. I believe so. I was already... Um, heading way downhill at that point. Um, so, um, uh, to tell the truth, his wife had gone to, uh, one of those anti-masking, uh, rallies and, um, ended up bringing, um, COVID back and he couldn't fight it off. And then, uh, you know, uh, again, but he got to live a fruitful life after that kidney and I know he got really heavily, he turned a bar, um, he had a farm that he had turned into a barn, a building out there, and he turned that into a uh, uh, Billy Graham crusade building. Um, so, I mean, I'm not, uh, Billy Graham's not exactly my thing, um, but uh, I find that, uh, as I knew him, I find it completely uh, fruitful, really, I do. So, um, with that covered, I don't want to go too much into it, more or less i want to um uh, look into the problem we really are having and nobody's um quite understanding and that is um um well one more thing to read on this one um i didn't cover this nature versus nurture in um I hate saying alcoholism, man. I feel like it's a scarlet letter, but let's just say children of God that made some mistakes along the way. I learned that from a friend of mine named Benji. Um, and, uh, I don't think I'll ever forget that because it's so much more preferred than saying, you know, Hey, I'm good. Low. I'm an alcoholic. And I'm a child of God that made some mistakes. Um, And that's not because I'm, uh, you know, trying to take it easy on myself or make an excuse. But if you have that addict or alcoholic term, you're wearing that scarlet letter, you know, from the book most of us have read um, many times. Um, uh, So let's say it's still alcoholism uh, technically starts somewhere. Um, And that somewhere else is uh, where the environment is responsible, lack of support. Uh, depression uh, tends to lead you towards alcoholism. Uh, the evidence for the complex genetic disease of alcohol is, to date, modest at best. Um, I've learned, uh, I mean, just through, and gosh, I'm studying all the time. This is uh, going back to school. It's a lot harder than I really expected, but you know what? I enjoy it, so it's uh, well worth it. Um, alcoholism is a disease. I don't believe that's, um, true. I know, um, again, in studying recently that, um, Alcoholics Anonymous had been fighting to have this labeled as a disease for years and years. And the only thing, the only, uh, symptoms on the checklist that it really makes are that it can be, um, terminal. And, um, some people like to say it's by choice. It's not, Um, something is like a mutated gene in your body that you've had. And I know I said there's no alcoholic gene, but there are depression genes um, which can set it off, be hereditary. And once you start doing like I did with self-medicating and you get the physical addiction to it, um, you know, I do strongly believe that alcohol is a symptom, but what's a bigger problem. So I repeat this a lot, but I say, if we don't get to the root cause and um, we're never going to fix the problem. Uh, I, I say this again. I said it last time, but detox is easy compared to uh, what I went through was complete liver and kidney failure two uh, times being resuscitated and going home, having three weeks to live and the pain and stuff like that. But let me tell you, this is I'm grateful for that and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Some people uh, constantly tell me I'm crazy for that so be it um i'm starting kind of crazy anyway um so when we look at that and um what happened to me in environment is again my, i didn't sit there and witness my parents drinking and smoking and stuff um but i did go through some things that uh gave me uh, ptsd which is still not the excuse but um i was diagnosed diagnosed zoloft um I'm sorry, diagnosed manic and given Zoloft at, um, 14. And, um, you know, there's a pattern with me that's gone on my entire life is all, oh, um, uh, I don't, I don't mix pills and drinking. I don't know what is in my head, but it's just something I can't do. Um, so I would quit my Zoloft and then go on long-term binges. My last was, um, almost six months um, before everybody realized that I was turning green and, um, fell off the roof, uh, uh, once. And that's the first time I realized humans do bounce off of concrete. Um, that hurt like the Dickens probably, but I didn't feel it. I was so drunk. I went up to clean the gutters out because I had some brilliant idea that I needed to clean the gutters out. No kidding. There were gutter guards. I didn't need to do anything. <laughs> I fell off. Um, and, you know, I know some people think it's uh, ridiculous that I laugh at stuff like that. But um, uh, looking back at my own behavior sometimes is uh, you have to say, what were you thinking? Uh, I'm not going to go back into this story right now, but I tried to ride a bull one time on my dad's farm. And uh, that's probably one of my worst ideas in history. But so let's look at that is environmental. um you know, I'm from Lexington, Kentucky, and um, back in, well, I'm originally from Hazard, Kentucky, but grew up in or school and everything else in Lexington. But by the time you get to, let's say, 18, everybody had a fake ID. Um, the bar scene in Lexington at the time was normal Thursday nights. I mean, you go out Thursday nights, you get sloshed. Nobody really went out on Friday to recoup. Then you go out Saturday and you rinse and repeat. And um, you know, and I was I was technically a functional um, drinker at the time, but then after my dad died, I got in a um, really bad car wreck again that actually cracked my spine, and they put me on them um, Percocets, which didn't last long, um, because I was um, back and forth at the time to um, Los Angeles as well. But um, I remember coming back to Lexington. And this was either from Vegas or Los Angeles, but um, I was flying into Louisville and I started getting the shakes like really bad. And I was like, you know, uh, what's wrong with me? Um, you know, the shakes and the detox, that's very, very like paranoid and uh, audio hallucinations. That's the first time I'd ever dealt with the detox. and to repeat myself so that everybody understands this is alcohol is the most dangerous detox. The only thing close to it, is Xanax. Both of those can be fatal. Um, you know, the other things, and we're going to get into that in a minute. Um, I've still got some time. Um, but, um, and paying attention, the detoxes I've been through, um, uh, I remember, uh, one put me in a coma for three months. Um, I mean, that's how bad it can rock you, and I'm seizure-prone, so that makes it even worse. And, uh, you know, another one, um, I got arrested for, like, a public intoxication, and uh, I don't remember why. Oh, because it was um, on a Friday, so my court case wasn't until Monday morning. So I was in jail and started detoxing, had a seizure, seized out on a flight of stairs in Fayette County Detention Center rolled down the stairs and then went into uh, bad hallucinations for a couple of weeks, not an ideal situation. And, um, you know, many times I've uh, tried to quit cold Turkey and, um, uh, gone through detox. And, um, I don't know how many times I've been in the hospital, but it's been several. Um, and people don't understand that. And, you know, you all I pray and, um, telling you truly um, if if you know somebody going through a spell of uh, being one of God's children that's making some mistakes um, don't don't uh, do that thing like I've had um, it done to me with a girlfriend or something where you go out and pour all this person's booze out and um, yeah it's a bad idea even most rehabs um, that are responsible, Rehabs will tell you to make sure the person's getting enough alcohol to bring them in there so they can be medically treated from there. But if you cut somebody off like that, um, it can be, I know with me one time it was a matter of six hours of not having a drink. And I went into uh, a complete detox and bit my bottom lip almost all the way off. Um, and, and, you know, that's the reality of this stuff. And, um, you know, not Debbie Downer, but I will say, This, when it comes down to it, is I do not attend AA meetings. Um, I I refuse to. I think they're um, addictive. I think it's turned into a bully system, and I think it's gotten a bit archaic. Um, Now, with that said, um, AA meetings are about, statistically, 20% successful um, long-term, whereas one-on-one counseling... Um, regular treatment, treatment for your underlying cause, which again is going to be root cause and effect. It could be depression. It could be anxiety. It could be uh, trauma, PTSD. And if you don't address that, like when I address that, um, at the end of last year, beginning of this year, like since then, I don't have cravings. I don't have triggers that set me off. And I really strongly, the deeper I get into study, um, I'm learning that other than, um, like, uh, heroin and, um, you know, meth and, um, drugs like that, uh, alcohol triggers are typically taught. Um, and that means, and I've been through it where you're taught, I got kicked out of a meeting one time for saying I drank a 1.75 of Tito's vodka and I was just telling the truth, but they considered that me triggering. Um, people in that event that's that's ridiculous and it's still ridiculous to me look if you live in central kentucky for example and you can't um handle what they call triggers um it's ridiculous i mean you drive down i-75 from richmond where i'm at and there's a liquor barn here which is the largest liquor store in the united states and i worked there in college no kidding um and um, I mean, it's just on every corner. This is bourbon country. Um, uh, I mean, it, socializing, uh, it's just, it's ingrained in this area and there's no, there's no getting around seeing alcohol in central Kentucky. I mean, you can't go in a Kroger, you can't go to Walmart. You can't go out to eat somewhere. I don't think of any dry restaurants other than a subway or McDonald's or something like that. And i uh, So, I mean, that's just things to take into effect. So uh, what I've done and a lot of people ask, some people say I'm riding a pink cloud, which is um, this thing where you think you're all healed and cured and you're just uh, BSing yourself. No, man, I really don't. I've been offered drinks and, um, uh, you know, I I don't have any desire anymore. And I believe that's part of salvation. And this is where um, God kicks in in my situation. Is I prayed Um, when I prayed, and I mentioned this before, that two and a half hour prayer. It was like immediately these bondage chains were lifted from me, taken away. And um, it was such uh, an experience that I'll forever be grateful for, because I went from being told I had three weeks to outliving that three weeks to a month. And then I remember specifically the doctor said, this is miraculous. She's a Middle Eastern lady and said, you are somehow healing somewhat. She said, it probably won't last now, but for right now, you're healing. And I was like, okay. And uh, the more and more I got into it, the more and more grateful, you know, my exact experience with God was, Praying for forgiveness at first in a generic way because I didn't know how to pray. And um, blessed I got to watch um, one of Corey's um, talks on Endura Entertainment. You can find it on YouTube um, about learning to pray today. And I pass it on to my group as well. But um, I always consider myself as a believer or as some of us say religious. and um But I didn't know how to pray. And um, I truly had loss of God. And that was... Um, Probably what scared me the most of everything is the loss of God and that emptiness I felt. I was more scared of that than I was of dying. And that is uh, hands up truth. Um, And, um, you know, God lifted me out of this and somehow I'm healed. You know, I always talk about how my sister's a longtime medical professional now. And, uh, you know, she says I've got uh, cockroach syndrome which is, you know, if you get that, it's like they say, cockroaches can survive a nuclear war, but I've survived things that nobody should survive. And, um, when I came out of all this and really started healing, you know, my first time driving a car, by the way, was scary. as convenient. It's not like riding a bike. I mean, you know, you get back on 75 and you're like, "Mm I mean, just, it scared me. It scared me to death. Um, But the more and more healthy I get, I started by, um, doing some testimonies, which, um, you know, the power of a testimony is it can, uh, if you're doing them, you you need to be really, really genuine because, um, giving any false hope or false witness is playing with others' lives. It really is. And, um, I I don't appreciate that from anybody. Um, no, I mean, uh, not in the least bit. Um, and uh, actually find it frustrating uh, more than anything else. Um, so um, beyond that, let's talk about Suboxone. Um, <clears throat> now, to start this off uh, effectively is my own uh, brother, a different brother. He died in um, December. Both of them died last year. Um, he died of deodernal cancer. I think it's the correct way to pronounce it, which is just... Uh, horrible disease but um he got to see me healing i actually got to make a um, uh, trip to see him before he passed away i think it was about a week before and that's the first time he had seen me um since i went in the hospital so it was a good moment we got to leave on you know good terms have a few laughs and um things like that i do know that um every day i was in the hospital you know he'd call me up and pray with me and really I'll tell you the truth It was getting on my nerves for a while And um just cause I mean I felt So bad uh, I mean I couldn't Eat I couldn't uh, It was a tough time man But lesson learned and um So anyway he was On either methadone or suboxone for the last 20 years I have other Another family member who's been On it for over 12 years Now I've studied the bejesus Out of this man and um <sighs> Suboxone is supposed to be supposed to be if the treatment is done correctly. And that includes therapy and counseling. This is, um, I know people look at it differently as this mat treatment. It, uh, it goes on forever. I mean, as long as somebody keeps prescribing it, the inherent danger there's, um, if you got a doctor that, let's say vanishes or, you know, uh, he's irresponsible. Um, the detox from Suboxone is worse than the detox from heroin. So let's face it for what it is. Now, that gives me into notes, and these are from uh, psychology today and some different studies and stats and so on. But let's start with tapering off Suboxone. Suboxone. Okay. First of all, if you really truly want to get clean, I know I get this argument all the time that you're clean if you're on Suboxone. Listen, Suboxone's just, it's got opiate in it. I know it's got, what is it? Naloxone? Naloxone. I think, I don't know. That word always gets lost on me because there's so many new locks or noxes, whatever. Um, so, uh, okay. I was trying to get back to my, uh, notes here. Um, if you're really serious about, there's, there's different ways to do this. Um, one is you need to go talk to your physician. That's first and foremost, because you don't want to cold turkey a Suboxone. It's, it's again, a bad idea. You're going to feel like crap in that you know, from what I understand, can last up to a month with that one. Um, I know with alcohol, even uh, when I got home for a long time, I still had the shakes and it's just recently that I've been able to uh, get past that um, a couple of months ago. But so with that said, uh, get with your physician and um, you know, the good possibility is they can recommend other medications in place of Suboxone that can be just as effective. Um, Now, another part of this that I've studied is suboxone is also not a one-month drug. The 75% of people that take it for a month and go through these crash courses um, go right back out there. So that's not a good number. Um, So... um, Again, an important thing here is uh, participating in counseling and I'll read this directly. Um, While Suboxone does an excellent job in terms of managing withdrawal symptoms, it does not address the psychological component associated with opioid dependence. When transitioning off Suboxone, it is critical that patients continue addiction therapy to help address the psychological factors that can trigger relapse like anxiety, depression and trauma. On all, Suboxone is a great way to help patients who are struggling with severe withdrawals and to get through detox. However, it is not intended for long term use and should not be taken for more than 12 months. Period. Um, And you can, uh, factually, where's that out here? Most physicians will uh, advise patients to take Suboxone for six to 12 months to cope with the systems. Um, um, The Journal of the American Medical Association says that more than 70% of individuals taking suboxone long-term with treatment remain Um, opioid-free. That's a good number. So now we're getting to good numbers. That makes me all happy and jolly. And So Um, now... um, because suboxin is technically an opioid, it can attach to the same opioid receptors in the brain like other opioids, including heroin and prescription-based opioids. However, this is where the similarities end. Unlike heroin or prescription-based opioids like methadone, Suboxone is a partial agonist and does not provide the same high commonly associated with full agonists. Um, the pleasurable effects derived from Suboxone is just enough to distract patients from the severe withdrawal symptoms that come with ending their relationship with opioids. Of course, patients need to taper down from the medication as they progress through rehab. Um, and I'm not going to repeat that except for after all, Suboxone is not a permanent solution for overcoming opioid addiction and prolonged use can lead to addiction there is a suboxone addiction now i'm going to go to kentucky first um, <clears throat> in kentucky uh this was 2020 to uh, 2021 um that's just sorry um 1380 overdoses um, um deaths. And 2.80, 2.83% of all deaths, uh, that's not just overdoses, that's car accidents, cancer, et cetera, et cetera, suicide, um, are from drug overdose. Now, there's 4 million people in Kentucky. So where you think that 2.83 number is little, it's not. That's a big number. Um, The overdose death rate is 32.5 deaths out of every 100,000 residents. So, look at that again, 32.5% of 4 million. That's a, well, you take the 4 million, divide it by 100,000, and then 32.5% from there. Um, Now, in Kentucky alone, this is 57% of the national average of OD deaths. 1.96% nationwide overdose deaths occur in the state of Kentucky. That's nationwide. That's every state. Um, Now, uh, to go with that, I know on um, an exam I was working on this week that um, uh, Kentucky is third in the nation of opiate deaths. um, That's including fentanyl, of course. Um, third in the nation, when you're looking at uh, uh, the size of states alone and the population, is, um, uh, I can't use the word I want to, but that's pretty kind of uh, messed up in a big way. Next. Um, oh, geez, this is not good. Um a lot of this happens in rural areas where there's uh, no help, no church, no community. And um, that can be really dangerous for people in recovery. And I'm going to go ahead and add it in there, even though I'm not in it. I mean, really, if, if it's taken AA meetings to um, um, rock with it and um, keeping sober, that's, that's, you know, that's really, that's a good thing. It's not that AA is bad, but, what I'm saying is uh, from a friend there, um, when he said plateau, that made complete sense to me because I know people who plateau. And I'll tell one quick story is I went on a blind date one time and um, this uh, lady was in. Uh, claimed she was in recovery um, and she, uh, she was a keynote speaker that night. And, um, you know, somebody, my sister thought it would be good for me to go to a meeting with somebody who, you know, long term in AA. Well, when she starts speaking, she said she knew she was an alcoholic when she went to um, on her way home from work, which is Winston to Greensboro. That's about driving from um, downtown Lexington to uh, Nicholasville or Winchester. Winchester is more like it. So um, she said she bought a six pack on that Friday night. And by Sunday, um, uh, that was gone. Sunday night that was gone. And that's when she realized she was an alcoholic. Um Yeah, please. Um, Man, I could have drank that on the way home. So there is an issue with people that go to um, uh, AA meetings um, purely for the social factor. And um, and there are a lot of people in there. example. um, There are some good uh, sponsors, but there are others who are looking for a car ride to doctor's appointments. And or being shade tree counselors, which um, uh, can be so toxic, um, really so toxic. Um, according to the CDC, deaths due to opioids, and this is national now, including fentanyl, accounted for more than 75% of deaths in the last year. That's insane. Um, so where's the fight at in all of this? I mean, friends, family. And I'll mention this again that we, um, uh, a few of us went to uh, Shepherd's House, uh, The Hub in Nicholasville and met with this um, couple who's uh, another lady whose son had died from smoking a joint. I mean, smoking marijuana. And this kid had no idea it was less with fentanyl, but it killed him and uh, i know already that you know the dealers in jail as far as i understand but why they put it in there i mean if you use uh, common sense real quick they put it in there so they've got the best weed in that area it's um uh, crooked and it should be a, a a manslaughter charge because that person doesn't know that they're getting a fentanyl lace joint and whoever would have thought that smoking marijuana would become dangerous Um, again, I don't smoke it, but I have nothing against it is, uh, it's the least of all worries in this, uh, war against drugs because there is no war. Alcohol is legal. Marijuana is not. And, um, again, I'm not saying that as a smoker, I'm saying that from the actual facts and statistics, um, that are true. Um, uh, I can't think of anything I've ever heard of somebody overdosing and dying on marijuana. So that being said, it is what it is. Everybody's got their own opinion. I know um, people who have gone through cancers and chemo and couldn't eat and uh, just lay in bed and just feel awful and have uh, turned to marijuana and it's given them their life back, even if they were terminal. on. I know people that have so much pain, that marijuana is the only thing that helps it. So again, to each their own, but I would do research on it, um, uh, before anything else, because it's, it's, it's not like the rest of the stuff that we need to deal with, uh, really, really need to deal with. Um, so, um, again with that scary thing there, um, this is going to be in Lexington, um, And I know this because I go and do it myself. Uh, Local nonprofits, I'm going to use Voice of Hope here. um, They provide naloxone. What they do um, now is um, they give out Narcan. Like if um, you're somebody like me, they also teach you how to use it. Um, So if you're somebody like me, I go and pick it up and um, uh, take it around to different people in different areas. And um, they also have fentanyl test strips there, which is becoming more and more important um, so you could actually, if you are a marijuana smoker, um, you know, test your marijuana with one of the strips. I mean, just safety, 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 uh, you know, your life's more important than that. And, um, I'm really, I know I use, uh, voices of hope, but I'm sure I'll research it before the next one and see how many others are giving their way. Um, I'm running out of time here, but, um, the overdose overdose, overdose deaths in Kentucky increased by 55% between 2019 and 2021 that's in 2 years the United States surpassed 100,000 drug overdose deaths in a 12 month period for the first time during those same years um sad man um you know, there's been uh, in one right here that there's a theory that the uh, pandemic escalated the problem because of um, being stuck and um, uh, people not being able to get out and really be social and so on and so on. So um, I don't know the stats or the studies on that one. I can see it as being a possibility. Now to end this, I've got eight months. I want to read a story of North Carolina. OK, um, this is from. Uh, the Winston-Salem Journal. And um, it's about a young lady who um, passed away in 2017. Early in the morning of July 8, 2017, Amber Delvecchio's phone rang. She missed the call, but it woke her up. She rolled out of bed and began getting ready for her job as an executive assistant in a manufacturing company in uh, Catawba County. Her phone buzzed again. It was the same number: Are you Madison's mom? Delvecchio typed back, yes, why? Uh, it said, uh, straight, call me back, the stranger responded. Delvecchio, who has long blonde hair and a soft voice, had grown somewhat accustomed to these sorts of pre-dawn calls. Her 18-year-old daughter, uh, Madison Workman, injured her ankle uh, four years early, and her doctor prescribed the teenager an opiate-containing painkillers. She'd struggled with substance abuse disorder since. When workman was actively using drugs, she called her mom at odd hours. Uh, I know I was guilty of that when I was drinking because I would lose all track track, track of time and, you know, think everybody was up at three in the morning. Um, okay, so um, when workman was actively using drugs, she called her mom at odd hours. Delvecchio tried to always answer and she tried to treat the situation with softness when she could. At some point, her mother began to think about the 3 a.m. conversations and her newly disrupted sleep schedule as if she had a newborn again. In that scenario, she wouldn't get angry for having been woken up. She'd roll out of bed, pick up her baby, and pat her on the back. She'd bring warmth and comfort. She'd hope that one day soon they'll both be able to sleep through the night. Delvecchio wrote back, I'm getting up, I'm ready for work, Can I'll call you on my way to work. At that moment, the mother... Felt something shift. She picked up her phone and called the number. On the other end, a sobbing woman answered quickly, saying, Somebody left your baby on my porch. Oh, a nationwide problem that's worse in North Carolina. Since Workman died in 2017, more than 10,000 other North Carolinians have also died from drug overdoses, according to state data, data, Sorry, sometimes the Scottish comes out of me. Um, <laughs> Recent numbers from the Center for Disease Control um, and Prevention show that over the last year, the crisis grew even worse, more than 100,000 people. Um, oh God, we covered that. In North Carolina alone, it grew by 37% again, and that's between 2020 and 2021, April. Um Physicians who specialize in addiction medicine um, who study drug use and policy and harm reduction outreach workers say the rise is disturbing, but it's not surprising. Um, This again is um, a lot of them are saying it's a nearly two-year pandemic. Um, uh, Fentanyl is a poison. And um, You know, especially the way it's being used or it's being laced in so many things, because honestly, a lot of people are dying because they have no idea what they're getting into, which is um, that's tragic. It's sad. And I personally would say it's manslaughter, but um, I'm pretty much out of time for tonight. So um, uh, good night to you all. Um, Quick prayer. Um, Lord, as I take us out tonight, please bless those who are hurting and struggling. And please help us to fight this war on what's killing our children, parents. It doesn't discriminate. And Lord, I know the answer, and I know what saved me, and the salvation I have was through you. And I thank you, Jesus, in your mightiest name, I pray. Amen. Guys, that's it for me tonight. Um, I'm going over to Facebook to join the room. And a hey, um, thanks for everybody that watched tonight. Um, God bless you all, seriously. And next week, I'll get into uh, truly um, how um, my thoughts on God in um, all this. Because I, I truly don't think that I would have. I don't think that dying would have stopped me from drinking. I think that. Um, Jesus picking me up out of the grave is what um, stopped me and uh, kept me from looking back. I mean, seriously, I've had tequila put right in my face. Just take a shot. It's not going to hurt you, man. Um, I can factually and actually moderately drink um, now, but I will not. I choose not to. I made Jesus a promise. And... uh, what he's given me has gone without fail. So I'm grateful. Appreciate you all. And if anybody needs help, reach out to me on um, Facebook. Um, My number's on there. Next time I'll have it scrolling across the screen, but it's again, 336-419-336-419-7894. Good night. I love you all. And I'll talk to you later. Bye.